The following program is recorded content created by The Truth Network. Friends, you're about to hear an amazing story about the supernatural connection between a Jew and a Gentile for the cause of the gospel. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown friends, this is going to be a very special, really unforgettable, thoroughly Jewish Thursday broadcast. I'm sitting in studio with one of my dearest, closest friends in the whole world, a man that I would literally trust with my own life, Brother Yesu Padam from India, just in the States for a few days and was able to come and see us for a few days. When I realized he's going to be here in studio on Thursday, I said, okay, it's thoroughly Jewish Thursday, but we have a story to tell about the supernatural connection of Jew and Gentile in the Lord and the implications that's had for India and for the nations. You're going to be inspired. You're going to be encouraged. You'll also be encouraged to to see how God can raise up literally a nobody. I mean, you could not be lower on on the ladder, a lower rung on the ladder than my friend Yesu Padam was as a child, really should have been dead. But God has raised him up in amazing ways in India and around the world. And again, some of this ties in with the Jew and Gentile connection as well. So we're going to talk about that. I'll take some calls to 866-34-TRUTH, but I want to focus on time with my guests. So, Yesupadam, great to have you back with us on the line of fire. So good to be with you, my friend. Always, always an amazing joy. The fellowship we get is just beyond precious, beyond words. For those who don't know you, just paint a picture of what it was like to be raised as an untouchable in India. And it's, it's still bad today, but we're talking almost 70 years ago when you were born. What was life like for you? Oh, boy. That's an, just to think of that, it scares me. And uh, you are never being treated as a normal human being, worse than an animal. You live in a small hut away from all the community with no proper food for me like two, three days in a week, no food is normal. I've never been loved, never been felt loved or accepted in the society. It's a difficult life anybody to go through in their lives. Mm. And so your mom mom and dad and five kids in a tiny little hut, that's that's how you lived. And your other siblings worked, You you were too weak to work, so you were sent to school if if you wanted to drink some water at school, or how how would you do that? There's no way I can take a glass and drink the water. I have to put my hands together. They will pour the water, and I have to drink with my hands. Mm. And as as it would fall from other people's stuff, that that I, would be that would be yours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So you're you're a boy. You're so malnourished. You're you're walking on the road one day, and you collapse on the side of the road, dying, what happened? There was a man all the way from Canada, a white man, and he saw me like a dead boy in the middle of the road. He did not pass me by like other people, our born people, because I was an untouchable to them. They didn't want to touch me. But for this white man, he felt like it was a divine appointment from God. 
He stopped his jeep, came down to find out that I still had life because I was breathing. I was unconscious but breathing. And he touched me. He carried me in his hand, took me into his jeep, drove me to a hospital, which is a Canadian Baptist established that, and then kept me there for two weeks. He took care of me. You know, sometimes we read the story of Good Samaritan in the Bible. Thank God. We still have good Samaritans looking for the opportunities to accomplish God's plans in their lives and through the lives of the other people like me. Mm. Uh, do you remember how old you were when, when that happened? I was 10. 10 years old. Okay. So rather than becoming a Christian and being moved by the love of this pastor, you continued to, to be upset about the lot you had in life. Uh, what what happened to your mom? How how did she die? Well, she had a swollen knee, left knee, and my dad tried everything he could, and he came to the point he could not take her even to the free government hospital because he didn't have a yeah money to take her to transport her to the hospital, and then he left her to die in our heart. I watched my mom suffering day and night with pain, crying, and I was the angest of all the five, and my I experienced more love from my mom, just watching her going through what she was going through. It's very hurting. Then I saw her closing her eyes and left the world. And, and you know, just with normal medical help that was available to your average Indian, she could have been cured. Absolutely. All right, so, so what, what effect did that have on you then in terms of what happened in the years that followed, what what happened? In, you, you you see the system, you see the cruelty of it. It's throughout India. You you you've suffered as an untouchable. You've almost died yourself. You've watched your mother die. So what happened next? I saw no hope for my future. Actually, I tried twice to kill myself, but now I know why God kept me. Mm. And then a communist man came to me and he talked to me about the communism. He said, there is no caste system in communism. There's no rich and poor difference in the communism. He said, if you become a communist, we all can be called as a comrades, like a family, and we can fight against the rich community and help the poor. I was very, those were very appealing to me. And I took the blade, cut my finger, wrote my name with my blood, making a blood covenant to be a lifetime communist. My desire was to give hope to the my untouchable community so that people can see them as normal human beings. And then he told me, you don't have to live this life you are living. You can bring hope to your people. I totally believed, totally embraced it until a special day that changed my life around. So when, when you embraced being a communist, you thought it was going to be for the good of your people. Someone took an interest in you but it, it was the flesh. It was, it was not God's way. It was not God's kingdom. It was the flesh. So it was, it was violent acts against the rich. And then in the midst of this, you become an atheist. You become an alcoholic. Now you're a young man in your 20s, very, very lost. Did, how, how did people look at you in those days? What was your reputation? You know, nobody wanted me, honestly. Nobody liked what I was doing except the communist group. They taught me that, and they taught me hate and taking revenge. 
And they said, you know, when I told them I wanted to commit suicide, they heard about that. They said, that's a foolishness. Even if you have to kill people to live, you should prove yourself as you're a normal human being. Mm. So that's why I went into gangs and uh, I saw things that I should have never done with a normal mindset. That's why I started drinking and went into gangs and trained people for the gangs. But that was a very rough life. Mm. Hard, angry, revenge, broke. I mean, my heart was like a, a rock. No love, no compassion. Everything is hatredness and revenge. So you, you wanted to bring about cultural revolution, but you relied on the arm of the flesh. And, and really it was Satan's work, not God's work. Well, what, what did God do about that? What happened? <laughs> I heard about Jesus as a small child. My dad was the only first Christian in our community of seven villages. And he gave me the name Yesupadam, which means Jesus' foot. His desire, his prayer was that I should be the foot of Jesus, walking in the streets of India, proclaiming this glorious gospel. But I saw no hope in this. I thought this is just a, another religion. Like we have many religions in India. Religion can never change a person. So I ignored it. But it was 1976, January 26th, around 1.30 in the noontime. I was still a communist, alcoholic, gang leader, but also working for the government. So I was sitting in the chair, looked towards the sky. I don't know why, but very far in the sky, I saw the shape of a man hanging on the cross. And I, I didn't see his face clearly, but clear shape of a man hanging on the cross. Then it reminded me the story my father told me about Jesus. Though I never believed it, I know the story, I heard the story. I thought to myself, it could be Jesus. Then my communist brain said, no, 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 that's your imagination. Why are you imagining of this story thing? And as if somebody zooms a, zoomed a lamp, lens, I saw his hand very clear. I saw the five fingers. I saw the nail in his hand and the blood drop after drop coming down. I didn't see the stream of blood, but drop after drop, it shocked me. To my surprise, I heard an audible voice in my language that he called me son. He didn't say alcoholic. He didn't say murderer. He didn't say a gang leader. He called me son. And he said, I did all this for you. What will you do for me? That word son broke my heart, brought tears to my eyes that day. This rocky, stony heart broke. And that day I realized that Jesus is real. Jesus is true. He's alive. He speaks. He reveals himself in such a tangible way. Like people like me can see it, hear it. That's the day my life was totally transformed and about turn in my life. Uh, and friends, we come back after the break. You're going to hear how Yesu Padam got to share that with leaders in Israel. But first, we've got one minute. Did you immediately go out after that experience and begin to preach? Absolutely. I went from there to the street corner, clapping and calling people and telling them, believe in Jesus. Jesus is the Lord. People literally thought 
I lost my mind. Being such a communist leader, talking about anti-God things, suddenly standing <laughs> in the middle of the road talking to people about Jesus. I'm still crazy for Jesus. Uh, friends, I just want to encourage you that that's what Jesus does. Oh, man. And the most unlikely people he can turn around. Some of you are praying right now for loved ones, for friends, or you're burdened to pray for a leader who is so hostile to the Lord. What God did for Yesupadam, he can do for them. And sometimes the more radically people oppose God when they get saved, the more radically they live for him. Okay, it's Thoroughly Jewish Thursday. We're going to tie all this in with Israel when we come back. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome, welcome to Thoroughly Jewish Thursday. This is Michael Brown sitting in studio with my dear, dear close friend, Brother Yesu Padam. Been to India 27 times now. Would have been... 28, and really I'd be in India right now. We would have had recorded some special shows for you. It would have been 29 times, if not for COVID. But thankfully, he's here with us for a little while, so we were able to grab him to, to be in studio. We're going to go all the way back to 1995 in a moment. Um, but be, before we, we do that, and the first time this Jew-Gentile thing came up with Yesupadam and me in conversation together. So, uh, brother, you were in Israel— what, a little over a decade ago, and you were asked to speak to a group of, of Christian Zionists that were there, uh, along with maybe a, a dozen or so, I don't know the exact number, uh, Knesset leaders, so is Israeli Jewish leaders. And uh, you said something about who appeared to you. Uh, t- tell us about the message you brought there. <laughs> you know, I had an opportunity to go to Israel a number of times just to visit the place but i remember i thought to myself no i just don't want to go there to see the place i fed all i go there i want to go to preach jesus to proclaim jesus so i had given an amazing opportunity totally paid trip to me and for my wife we were put up in a very luxurious hotel one of those tall buildings in jerusalem and they totally paid for it. and uh, i i prayed so much then i as i was given half an hour time to preach there to speak there i saw very clearly the difference between the 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 parallels between an outcast like me an untouchable and the great jewish people how they've gone through so much persecution in their lives how they were rejected in the society so it really touched my heart. I, I started sharing with them my life as an untouchable, what I have gone through, and then what they are going through, because I've been praying for them for, since I became a Christian, I've been praying for the Jewish people and the country, for the feast in Jerusalem. And then the people, Jewish people will understand 
the love of God by sending his son Jesus. So after I talked to them sometime and I told them at the end, I said, you know, because of your Jewish man, the Messiah, the Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he appeared to me and he spoke to me and I saw him, I heard him, I saw the nail in his hand, I saw the blood drop after drop coming down and I told them, thank you for your Messiah that you could share with me and I had an amazing excitement Mike, that day that I could speak to the people that I prayed for many years that their eyes will be open to see Jesus as the Son of the Living God, the Savior of the universe, the Messiah that they have been waiting for. And I known him, I have seen him, I heard him. What would stop me, Brother Mike, to tell these precious people in that particular setup, all the Jewish people, the Knesset people, and all the Jainist people, and then I know I, every time I remember that day, I get excited, and I heard people clapping with a half an hour. There are three times people started clapping as I was sharing my life with them, and it's an amazing time what God has given to me to share the love of Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross, shedding his blood, not only for a Gentile like me, for all the people, including Jewish people, because that's his people. And it's my heart's desire, even now as I share, that his people will open their hearts for their Messiah, Jesus Christ, who is true, real, alive, today changing and transforming the lives like me. Mm. And then subsequent to that, through one of the connections you made in Israel, you get word that an Israeli parliamentary leader, so a member of the Knesset, an Orthodox Jewish rabbi who works a lot with Christians and Jewish-Christian relations, that he's going to be coming to your state, to your city. So, and this was written about, the, the, the rabbi's wife, the Knesset member's wife, actually wrote about it in the Jerusalem Post, told the story. So we're, what we're saying has been told publicly. Uh, what, what, how did they end up at your place, and, and what happened? I mean, it's, <laughs> that's, that's the God's way of doing it. They actually, their trip was to meet the prime minister and the president of India. Mm. In their trip, they included my place, me, and my city. They just came to see us in our city. And I put them up in the hotel, and I have to take a special protection for them, gunmen, to be with them as a protection because some of their lives are in threat. So they were with me, they came to me, and I literally rolled a red carpet for my Jewish friends. In my place, they had a meeting with all the high-level Christian officers and the pastors. And, and then we had that and they spoke there. And Benjamin, who is uh, no more here, he spoke there with the pastors. And then I took them to our orphanage, which we call Children's Home. All the children there 
We didn't tell them what to sing, but they started singing. Jerusalem, 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 Jerusalem. Yes, the children started singing that song. I saw tears rolling down from the eyes of these people, all these parliamentarians, famous people. And uh, Benjamin's wife, she said, we live in the Bible, but I saw Bible is being lived out here in your place. Mm. And you know what she said? She said, you're more famous in Israel now because I wrote an article. When I'm still here, it's published there that God really touched their hearts, not only to hear what I said in Jerusalem, but to come to me and see what is being done there, how we take care of these orphans and the widows and the children and providing them food and education and health and everything, just to see them in reality, they were so touched and they were so blessed. And, and this happened because Yeshua, the Messiah of Israel, who rose from the dead, appeared to you and transformed your life. If he did not rise from the dead, he would not have appeared to you. If he was not the Messiah of Israel, he would not be the savior of the world. And therefore, you, you would have been dead in your sins. You would have died as a, as a Naxalite, as a communist full of hatred, anger, violence. So uh, to my Jewish friends, something to think about. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, all you just heard now never happened. And all the, the well, it's countless, the, the lives that have been changed through this one ministry and this is just one of countless ministries, all because Jesus Yeshua, the Messiah of Israel, rose from the dead and reveals himself to people around the world so that they can come to know and worship and love the God of Israel. In fact, this is one of the only places in the world where I'm asked to do this, but uh, when I come to India every year, at, at the major meetings, you ask me at the end of the night to pronounce the ironic benediction in Hebrew, to bless the people, why why is that important? We'll, we'll go back to the significance of our relationship and, and how you saw that in, in the first place, but why is it still important for you, for me to, to speak a priestly blessing from the Book of Numbers in Hebrew to the people in India? Brother, that language, that word Hebrew, and the word Jewish, the world doesn't exist without them. Mm -hmm. God chosen people, special people. So when, when God spoke to me, Jew-Gentile relationship is the fulfillment of the church. And you as a Jewish brother, I want that language to be pronounced in my country, on my people, because I know that would bless my country, bless my people. Because God blessed Jewish people. God blessed that language. That's why I always ask you, please pronounce that priestly blessings on my people, on my country. Mm. And when, when we were there the first time in 93, we were shocked to meet Christians in outlying areas. I mean, tribal areas and obviously the first Jew they've ever met. In some cases, the first white man they'd met. And they wanted me to know they've been praying for Israel for, for many years, for decades. 
and they celebrate the Jewish feasts and things. I'm thinking, where, where did they get this from? We just got a few seconds, but, but you've seen that for many years in Israel. God just, in India, God just puts it on the hearts of the Indian Christians to, to love and bless Israel. Is that true? Absolutely, 100%. We love them. We pray for them. We want them to see this Messiah, Jesus Christ, is real, true, he's alive. Mm. All right, we come back. I'm going to take you back to 1995, a really interesting trip for me. And the first time that Yesu Padma and I began to talk about this Jew-Gentile connection, the significance of it. Oh, and I want to tell you what God's done with this man raised and untouchable. The favor that God's given him to, to tell you. I, I mean, it, we were talking about it last night, and he's in tears as he shares it. To tell you that God can raise people up for his purposes. If they will glorify him, there's no telling what God can do. We'll be right back. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome, welcome to Thoroughly Jewish Thursday. Michael Brown in studio live with my dear friend, Brother Yesu Padam from India. I'm looking at a PDF that was sent to me yesterday called The Jewish Connection, Evangelicals in Israel, and it was put out by Infinity Concepts, Strategic Solutions for Success, and Gray Matter Research and Consulting. And it, it surveys uh, evangelicals, ask about their relationship to Israel, prayer for Israel, things like that. Uh, they reached out to over a 1,000 American evangelical Protestants in the United States, asked them just how they think of Israel. What's interesting is the more regularly people read the Bible, the more they stand with Israel today and believe in Israel as fulfillment of prophecy. And also, the more charismatic they are, which to me would also mean they are believing many things in the Bible are literally true as the Bible says it, the more they stand with Israel and support Israel. So uh, I want to go back to 1995. It was the third trip that I was making to Israel, uh, to India, excuse me. Uh, Nancy and I went in 93 for three weeks, then in 94 for a month. Now it's 95, going for a full month. So it's a very intense trip. A lot of spiritual warfare, uh, physically challenging on the flesh, where we'd stay, what the schedule would be. Sometimes we'd preach all day, several days, and then travel all night uh, in rough conditions to get to the next location and start in the morning. And on this particular trip... We started in, in my brother's home city, Vishakapatnam, and we just weren't in sync. It just seemed like I was going one way, and he would translate, and just didn't seem to be in harmony. Nancy wasn't with me on this trip, and Yesupano thought maybe her prayers, she's not here, is making a difference, but we, we're not in sync. So I'm supposed to do day meetings for pastors, and we had a team with us. Uh, no, actually, it was just another brother with me that time. So I was going to do day meetings for the pastors, and then at night, preach to the crowds. And... Brother Yesupanam says to me, you just need to spend the day in prayer, so we're going to cancel the, the day meetings. So that means I'm, I'm in my hotel room, by, by not my choice, by someone else's choice, and all I can do is pray all day. So praying for the message, but we're still, it wants to be in harmony. So we, we get to, to another city, 
And it's the opening night. This is a city where he had previously been stoned for preaching the gospel. We get to this city, opening night services, tremendous excitement, about time for the message, downpour. Rain comes pouring down. Everybody scatters. No meeting. We're in a state of shock. Too, too wet to do day meetings the next day, so by night we can go on with our meeting. And just another series of crazy events. The platform starts to collapse underneath us. Finally time to get up and preach. I begin preaching about five minutes into the message. I said, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. The, all the lights go out. And the whole field, lights out. You can still hear our voices, lights out. And I thought, what? And, and, and I'm there intimidated by the enemy. I'm, I'm hearing demons in my ear. Oh, yeah, very powerful God you serve. Big, great, big, oh, great, big God you serve. Oh, yeah. Let there be light. You can't even deal with a demon stronghold in a Hindu village. So... Yesupadam leans over to me, and what I hear him say is, when the lights come back on, end the message and give it to me for the altar call. What he actually said was, when the lights come on and you end the message, give it to me for the altar call. So I, I preach, lights come back on, finally, and the crowd's still there, thankfully. I preach about five more minutes and give it to him to give an altar call. I go off the platform to sit down. Again, it was shaky where we had been sitting before. It collapsed. And he goes on and preaches like 45 minutes. I'm fuming. I'm angry. I'm sitting there thinking, what? He just wants a white face here to draw a crowd? He's a powerful preacher. Why don't I come all the way from America? to what? What's the purpose of this? Well, it was a miscommunication. That's what happened. So we ended up realizing, okay, the enemy's really attacking this trip. So let's press it. So we now go to another city, Hyderabad. The gentleman that was helping at that meeting was actually now pastors the world's largest growing church. He had organized them. He was just a young evangelist then, but now pastors the world's largest growing church in Hyderabad. Had the privilege of, of meeting him there and greeting the people a few years ago. So it's the opening night. So I'm determined. I'm going to be on my knees through most of this day, five or six hours, to really get God's heart, to really get God's mind, and to bring a powerful message that will minister to the people that night. So I'm sitting on the platform, so right before I speak, they invite Yesupadam up, so I thought he's gonna introduce me, and he proceeds to preach a full message, almost an hour. And I'm really angry at this point. I mean, I'm in the flesh, I am angry. Like, what is going on here? Well, they had said to him, the people don't do so well with English translation, so for the first night, we'd like you to speak instead. But it was so hard for him to do that, he he didn't wanna tell me, and so just went and did it. So. We were eager to get home. It had been a month-long trip. My colleague traveling with me, his wife just had a baby uh, that was a month old when he left, so we were eager to get home. And I said, brother, look, they just would rather have Telugu preaching here. They don't need me. Would you release us to, to, to go home three days early? And he said, I will. And we are like, oh, it's like a weight off our back. And I said, okay, will it affect our relationship? He said, yes, it will. I said, then we're not going anywhere. So that night, that night, we have a meeting with Yesu Padam and me and some of his elders. And I, I just knew I loved him and respected what he was doing in India, was amazed by what they're doing with the children, the orphanages, church planting vision. And, and I had a heart to preach to the people of India. But that's as far as I saw it. In other words, I didn't think Jew, Gentile. I didn't see eternal relationship. I just knew I love this man. I deeply respect him. 
and and it's it's a joy to come and preach in India. But that night, brother, is when you first talked about the eternal relationship God had brought us into and the significance of Jew and Gentile coming together as one. And in your view, that has been a key. That relationship has been a key to the beyond supernatural blessing you've seen on your ministry. So what was it you saw way back then? I didn't see it then. I've come to see it. But what was it you saw back then? And and why is it so important for everyone to understand this? You know, there is something special, very special. Many times, many people miss it with the Jewish people. What I am today, where I am today, even in the ministry, how God, what God has done, I believe with all my heart, 100%. It's because of my relationship with a Jewish brother, Dr. Michael Brown. And uh, the, the, the anointing God has on their life, the favor of God on their lives, is I have seen it, I know it, and, uh, and uh, that's why I don't want to miss that. I should not be where I am today without my relationship with my Jewish brother, Dr. Michael Brown. And I know everybody calls you Dr. Michael Brown. I'm saying it, Dr. Michael Brown, for the sake of the people who are listening that. But his brother Mike, that's whom I believe God sent him to me. And it's it's essential. I'm totally 100% convinced. It's not psychological. (laughs) It is spiritual working with a Jewish man. And... um, the, the travel I did around the world, whatever I'm doing today I mean, around the world, it's because of God bringing Brother Mike into my life, whom God has chosen for such a time as this to impact the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And... Uh, I, I seen how God blessed Abraham. <laughs> uh, that's clear to me. God's special favor and hand on the Jewish people. Mm. And of course, Jew and Gentile being one in Jesus, that was the ancient hostility. Without a Jew becoming a Gentile or a Gentile becoming a Jew, the two being one in, in Messiah. And uh, I look at the grace of God on your life is an untouchable, saved by the Lord, and see his favor. I know he sees your tears, the tears of the orphans, the dedication. It stirs us. It moves us. I feel it's, it's a privilege and honor to be associated with a ministry like this and a man like this. And we've been stunned to see what God's done. So from someone with no funds, with, with a big vision, and, and no, no backing, uh, to travel over to America years ago, that was a, a massive thing. To to be in a vehicle where the seatbelt immediately came on you, that was scary. The first time you saw an ATM, thought there was somebody inside giving out money. I mean, this is, I'm talking about someone who came from a real rural, difficult background. So, brother, so you have a work that's been raised up here in the United States, based in Bennington, Vermont. Uh, you have a work in Germany. Major, major work and growing by the moment there. You've also reached out now where to Switzerland? Yes? Yes. 
Romania. Yes. Uh, Austria. Austria. You've been active in Korea. Yep, for many years. And what about a Korean disciple of yours in Madagascar? What's <laughs> happened in Madagascar? In Madagascar, we have 32 schools actively running a number of churches and a hospital with the staff, maybe around 52 people, the nurses and the doctors working. And then right now, actually, I'm glad you raised that. This guy, this boy with no hand, his hand was crushed in a printing press. But God has raised him. He could able to talk to the politicians, meet the president. And he just called me a few weeks ago. And he said, we need 100 tractors. For what? He said, for Madagascar. And he said, the Ministry of Agriculture he is a Christian man. He has a prayer room in his office. And there is so much famine in the south of Madagascar. And they want to raise up young men and women, especially to giving them a vision for their nation to, to, uh, to produce more food for the whole nation. The government was, he said, willing to give him hundreds and hundreds of, uh, no, hundreds and thousands of acres of land to mm. be used to produce the, the, the food grains from that area. And uh, actually, when I use the word tractor, it's not the tractor, it's the cultivator. Got it, got it. All right, so yeah. this could actually prevent famine in Madagascar on a national level. But we'll tell you who can help with that when we come back. More to come. It's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Do, ho, do, ho, do, let give thanks, give thanks, give thanks to the Lord. Interesting, the word for give thanks, hodu, is the same as the word for turkey, hodu, in Israel. So Thanksgiving works out in a double way in the Hebrew language. I'm sitting here with my dear friend, Yesu Padam. In, in a moment, I, I want to tell you how you can help fight famine in Madagascar. Just hearing about this now didn't come up in our conversation. So I'm going to come back to that in, in a moment, all right? Uh, before I do, and well, in fact, let, let me go there right now. So there, there is a critical need. It's a very, very poor country. And the brother leading this ministry, uh, Brother Cho, I, I remember meeting him when I was in Korea my first time in 1990. And he came up to me in broken English and said he felt called to India. And I remember looking at him. He was, the way he was dressed was poorly. He was missing a hand. And I remember thinking, Oh, yeah, sure, you're going to make it in India. I mean, just thinking totally in the flesh. And what a man of God. What an incredible ministry. He uh, and other Koreans served there in Yeshupana's ministry for some years. They learned Telugu so well that their, their CDs singing worship songs in Telugu became very popular. And then God calls him to Madagascar. He has done stunning work there. I mean, they brought in Yeshupana once they preached in a prison and now built a church building in the prison. And... 
many of the prisoners came to faith. Just amazing stories, those that are being fed, the schools. I didn't know it was up to, to 32 now. That's amazing to hear. So the government is willing to give them all kinds of land that needs to be cultivated. This is how much poverty there is. And these cultivators, which will then can be easy to produce food, which is literally going to save lives, L- literally. Could, I mean, are we talking thousands of people could be saved, hundreds of thousands? Oh, yeah, hundreds and thousands of people. Actually, it's a country of 22 million people. And, and how bad is the situation now? In with, the south, where they are very bad. Got it. All right, very, so, very bad. He so, said. so they can get the cultivators very inexpensively in India, $1,200 for one. We'll, we'll, we'll get one with our ministry. We'll, we'll definitely do this. To get involved, again, I'm, I'm just hearing about this now. We, we didn't plan on raising funds or anything. Um, and in fact, this time of the year, we're only raising funds for our ministry. So my joy to say, let, let's really save lives here. So here's, here's what you do. All right. You can give part of this, but if you can give 1200 that's awesome. LNCministries.org. LNCministries.org. Just click on support. And you can make sure you designate this for Madagascar for the special project. That's where the funds will go. LNC is in love and care. LNCministries.org. So, I mean, we're, you can be quite sure, Yesu Padam, that if, if money's given, it's literally going to save human lives. No, with no question about it. Yes? Yes, sir. Yeah, just... Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, and, and how quickly can this be done? Can this be turned around, do you think? No, if you have the money, we can make it in, I was thinking six weeks, mm. you know, to ship them from India to, to the Madagascar. And then from there, how long will it take them to develop the land? They can start immediately. That land is ready. Wow. Once and donated they, by the government. So the government yeah. can donate that, but the government doesn't have the money to fund. Exactly. It's that poor. Exactly. Wow. And I met the president of the country when I was there last time. Mm. He came to one of our meetings. He stayed for one hour in the meeting. All right. LNCministries.org. Let's, let's do something. Let's, let's make a difference today, all right? What, what, a, what a great thing to do at the end of the year. And these are some of the finest people you'll meet. Uh, Cho and his wife and team, they're just, they're, they're, they're really yeah. living out the gospel. <laughs> they're really living out the gospel. And, and brother, the, the favor of God has been on your life. And what you've always done is serve the poor and the hurting and needy. When you go to Germany, you start there. A German pastor said, we don't have poor people in Germany. Go to Africa. And, and here, God sends you as a, an untouchable from India to Germany to minister to the poor, an amazing work has been raised up now in the city of Bremen, and now now going beyond that, that's that's a whole other story, a miracle story, a faith story, of of what God can do. And maybe if we have a minute before we're done, we'll we'll share that to encourage. But you know, we know there's a lot of persecution of Christians in India now. Some parts it's been very bad. We sent out prayer requests for for a spiritual son of yours, 16 years old, that was uh, that was uh, burned to death with acid for preaching the gospel. And, you know, we, we prayed for him and helped with medical expenses, but, but he didn't make it, so he's with the Lord. Um, so the persecution is real, and there's hostility from some parts of the government, but there are plenty of peace-loving Hindus, plenty of Hindus that, that are your friends, that are your co-workers, that uh, the man on the street and, and the people in your community that, that honor and respect you. So there's been amazing favor now 
Tell us what happened with Andre University, which is a massive university with multiplied tens of thousands of students. What, what happened there? I get a phone call one day from the head of the university. I was in Germany, and he says, Sir, you are going to receive a letter from the government signed by the governor, and there are two options there, accept, reject. And he said, please say accept. And he said, we have decided to, government of Andhra Pradesh has decided to appoint you as an executive council member of Andhra University. And my immediate reaction was like, I was shocked. And I told him, I'm not even a college graduate. And he said, no, we want you to make the long story short. He said, we want you. You would be our godfather for the university, for all the students. You will be a blessing. And I could say no word. I was shocked. But now I'm appointed. I'm the executive council member of Andhra University, which never happened in 75 years of Andhra University history, a pastor, a known pastor, is appointed as an executive council member. That's a great, great favor from the government. And these are all Hindus that honor and respect you as a Christian pastor. Yes, sir. And, and yes, there's, there's God's supernatural favor on your life that's undeniable. What different difference does it make, though, that they've seen you and the ministry? They've seen the, the thousands of orphans you've cared for. They've seen the thousands of children you put through school. They've, they've seen what you've done in the tribal areas, not just bringing the gospel to thousands of villages that never had it, literally never had it and now do, but raising the standard of living for the people, getting them out of these, these, these little huts and into little homes. And does it, does it matter that they've seen you live out the gospel in front of their eyes? Exactly. They have seen the fruit. You know what I believed? Wherever the gospel goes, there will be a prosperity. I don't believe in prosperity gospel, but I believe gospel prospers. That's what it happened when we went to the tribal area. After we went and started preaching the gospel, people started accepting the Lord. Then the electricity, the government comes along. They will pay the roads. They bring the electricity and the education. And this is like a, the, the power of the gospel, you know, and uh, the, the blessings. They have seen that happening. Even the high-ranking politicians are head of the state. He respects me and he respects my word and we have a meeting together and we could able to, I could able to name some of the names in the political realm to be the congressman. And he honored my word and some of them are the congressmen. We say MLA, Member of Legislative Assembly, that were named because of me and they were now exist. And they say that because of his father. And the influence God gave me, as you said, you know, you said it right. When you live out the gospel, when people see your life, that you are not just limited to the four walls of a religion. This is the way of life and relationship with God should change your relationship with the people. And they have seen that. They honor me for that. I feel so 
embarrassed sometimes the way they honor me they respect me and this is all because of jesus if it is not for jesus people should have never never seen me the way they see me today mm. and friends it's it's not everyone will have the favor that yesupadam has the influence that he has in india and other nations that's god's plan for his life but everyone that humbles themselves truly in god's sight and honors him he does lift up and those who are unashamed of jesus jesus is unashamed of them and those that really live out the gospel caring for the poor for the needy not just cuz it works as a formula but because god cares for them and therefore you care for them there is grace there is favor that comes from this so i know for some of you maybe pastoring in difficult areas maybe laboring in obscurity may bring maybe honoring god in your school or your place of business and it's been very difficult god sees that god takes note of that and god will honor that be determined to honor him and those serving the hurting and the poor and it's not famous and it's not glitzy and people don't know your name god knows your name and that's what matters. So my brother, we're blessed to have you with us. We're blessed to be on the same team together, the same family, and what we both believe and I want to proclaim to each of you, friends, the best is yet to come. We're about to see God do amazing things. Let's press into him like never before. Another program powered by the Truth Network.